Lockdown. Our daily podcast to keep you sane during the chaos. 21 days, 21 professionals. Plus 14. 35 days, 35 professionals. To keep you sane during the lockdown extended edition. Hello and welcome back to day 22 of our lockdown and day 22 of our podcast, or shall we say day one of the extension. My name is Kirsten Farquharson and with me I have the incredible Danielle Dutoy. Today we have an absolutely amazing guest. Lord Brevere is an occupational therapist. First and foremost though, she is a wife and the devoted mom of two gorgeous girls, Trinity and Shiloh. She is a successful occupational therapist who has been practicing and managing her own private practice in Cape Town since 2005. She graduated from the University of Stellenbosch in 2003 and completed a year of community service in Calvinia. She qualified in sensory integration therapy in 2006 and has been an inspiration to parents and young therapists alike. She is a social, expressive, and action-orientated individual, and she enjoys dealing with people and organizes her life on a personal basis. She has been described as a warm person who seeks to maintain harmonious relationships with her colleagues and friends who are very important in her life. She is driven by a strong sense of duty and by a need to belong and be a service to people. Her input guidance and commitment to helping the families she works with has changed the lives of many children and families, and we definitely have been witness to that. Lord, it is such a pleasure to have you with us on the show today. Thanks, Danny. It's nice to be here. Lord, thank you so much for being with us. You know, sensory difficulties are something that doesn't go away just because COVID-19 has decided to rear its ugly head. Can you tell us a bit more about what are some of the sensory difficulties that children may be experiencing at this time? Yes, I think that um, from my experience dealing with my own clients at this time, um, the biggest uh, difficulty is that children aren't moving enough um, and they're confined to a small amount of space and generally children need a lot more movements which we call vestibular sensory input and a lot more deep pressure um, active resisted movements which we call proprioception um, sensory inputs and I think that this is exacerbated by the increased amount of time they're spending on screens both because they're at home and they have the time to do that but also because a lot of the schooling that's now happening is also happening on screens um, and also because this is such a different time um, stress levels and anxiety levels do um, exacerbate sensory difficulties maybe that are underlying or possibly were always there um, but maybe is more is more pronounced now because of the situation that that we're in because we've got this change of routine that we're normally in um, so even if something was maybe not a functional difficulty before it might become now a functional difficulty just because of the situation that we're in um, our tactile defensive children um, they're now confined to smaller spaces and a lot of children um, don't have a very small personal bubble so siblings parents um, are now encroaching on that sensory uh, personal bubble um, and that can also create um, tactile defensivity to increase in children um, that it, that might be tactile sensitive 
Um, and then there's also the goodness of fit between the various sensory personalities in a house, um, between mom and dad, between siblings. Um, you might have a sensory seeker, mom or dad, or, and a sensory sensitive uh, child, or vice versa, or um, a very sensory sensitive child on, and another sibling that's very sensory seeking. And so um, having to juggle those, the needs of each person in the family in such a confined space can be problematic. That goodness of fit um, of personalities in terms of their sensory behavior is so interesting. How would the different sort of sensory difficulties present during lockdown? Well, I think that the, I always say to parents, there's three main red flags for me that um, shows that you know, we all have a sensory personality. So being sensory sensitive or being sensory um, seeking in itself is not prob a problem. It becomes a problem when it starts to impact our functioning and what's expected of us. So for me, the three red flags of when do I need help is number one, social. So when my sensory sensitive or sens sensory seeking personality is impacting my social interactions with my, my parents or with my siblings. Um, so it might be things like they're getting into fights with their siblings, they're not able to take turns, they're not able to share, etc. like that. Um, emotional regulation challenges, so if our little ones are melting down a lot, a lot more than usual, having temper tantrums or just generally being whiny, clingy, tearful or angry, those, that, that is a red flag. Um, and then the third red flag is attention. So especially now with parents having to um, do homeschooling, um, we're having to really um, be very clever um, in how we're getting our children to maintain their attention and concentration um, in these difficult times. So those are the three red flags. Um, and children, when they go into sensory overload, present differently than adults. So we might be able to sense that we're feeling out of sorts or out of sync. Um, and we might be able to verbalize uh, those feelings um, to someone. Whereas children will generally act in a more, using their more primitive brain. So we'll have the fight, flight and fright kind of response. Um, so we might get a lot of, I always call the fight children, the I won't children. Anything you ask the child to do, they will be resistant and they'll just tell you that they don't want to do that at all. Um, the fright child is the I can't child. So everything feels like it's too difficult for them. So they can't do what you're asking them to do. And then the flight child will try and redirect the activity or the task to something that they prefer to do. So um, might be clowning behavior or any kind of redirecting behavior. Um, so we really need to, to watch out for very subtle signs that our children are getting into sensory overload and try and um, intervene before it becomes a fight, flight, fright response. And sometimes parents aren't aware of the very subtle um, signs that our brain and our sensory system gives us so that we can look out for those things and say, okay, now I can see my child's sensory engine is going into overload. This is what I need to now do. And, and some of those things are what we call autonomic nervous system signs. Um, it might be things like yawning, might be things like hiccups, um, it might be that deer in the headlights look where a child's eyes really go wide and they, the, the pupils of the of of eyes can actually dilate. Um, an overly quiet child can become overly loud and vice versa. A very loud child might become very, very quiet and withdrawn. Um, 
uh, even their coloring can be a, a very slight um, sign for a parent. So if they get a sudden flush in their cheeks, not due to temperature, um, or, the, or if they color drain. So just watching the color and the complexion of a child can give a parent good insight to how their sensory system is feeling. Um, and for your very, very little ones, your, your toddlers, um, they often become more gobby around the mouth, so they will drool more. Um, so that's also a very subtle, so very, very subtle signs, um, which I think parents are really good at reading when with babies, you know, when a baby arches or flexes their hands or scrunches their nose, they, they're really in tune with that. But as our children grow and as they start to regulate themselves more and depend less on, on us for co-regulation, um, then we, we tend to, to not watch them as closely. And I think that as parents, we, in this time, we need to kind of go back to co-regulating for our little ones. Sure, Lodge. Those three red flags are so incredibly interesting because it's things that we would see a child do normally and attribute them to other issues and never think of them in terms of sensory overload. You know, there are such, as you say, such subtle signs and the fight, fright, flight response presenting so differently from adults that we tend to not notice that they might be having a sensory overload response. So that is incredibly helpful that you show those three red flags so clearly because it really helps, I think, for parents to be more in tune with their children so that they can help co-regulate. Um, what other coping mechanisms can parents use then to assist their children during the lockdown? Well, I think that, um, you know, children who are sensory who, or who have difficulty regulating their sensory system, they do very, very well with structure and routine. And because our structure and our routine have changed so much, um, I would recommend that parents bring in some order into the new normal. So having some kind of a routine or schedule um, and having it visible for children. So drawing up a little timetable that they could possibly help to write up for parents, with parents, and include things in that routine, such as their schoolwork, um, include things like chores. It really is, I found as a mom, that one of the positives out of COVID-19 is that my children have become so much more skilled in everyday tasks that would have been done by a domestic worker, for example. So things like sweeping, vacuuming, washing windows, um, my grade four even learned to iron. So that for me um, has actually been a positive that our children have this wonderful opportunity to become more hands-on with the chores around the house. Um, reading needs to be in there as well so that we can have a time where the, you know mom and dad are cuddling in the bed together and reading together. Um, doing some exercise routines. We've had a lot of fun as a family um, exploring various options. Um, I think a lot of parents know about PE with Joe. I think the whole world is doing PE with Joe. And, um, you know, other things like Dance Monkey on YouTube and just really having fun with um, moving around with the family. So exploring various options for exercise. If, if your kids are able to continue things like ballet, um, or Pilates or things like that on Zoom classes, then um, doing that as a family. And then also scheduling in some downtime, some time where, where, especially if you have teenagers in the house, 
um, they're able to just be on their screens uninhibited without mom or dad breathing down their neck because I think we all, even us as adults, we need that time. We, we're just on our own and we're just doing what we want to do. Um, and that might mean cooking something in the kitchen for some, but it might just be gaming or, um, you know, doing a house party with, with, with friends from school, etc. And so routine is really, really important. And um, I think that we as parents also need to be very mindful of the fact that children need to move more than we do. So as parents, we are more sedentary than children have to be. And so we need to build in opportunities for them. So we need to, to look around our homes and see what are the affordances for play around the home. Um, you know, you might have, for example, a bed in, in the house. And I know in normal, normal instances, maybe children aren't allowed to jump on the bed, but maybe we can bend that rule a little bit and allow them to jump on the bed during this time because it's a really lovely way. And uh, of getting that that movement and that deep pressure sense in, um, you know, a lot of a lot of dads have these pull up bars for the the door frames. If we, if we can put one of those pull up bars in the door frame, maybe we could hang a swing on there for a child, um, or even just you know, there's some lovely ideas out there. Um, putting a blanket underneath a um, a table to make like a little hammock swing for children or a little nook where they can go and read. Um, those are all ideas that, that we can look around our home. And if we just look around and, and, and look at the objects in our home and see what are the affordances we have for play? Um, because I think that there, there are a lot of things in our home that we can create play, play with. Um, I think that's really, really important that we build in more movement and more deep pressure. Um, and then just creating a little sensory safe space for children to go into and you don't need a lot of space to do that it could be a really big box so if you have a really big box in the house maybe you recently bought something that's really large you can pull that out and cut out a little door in it and some windows and put some soft teddies in there um, my girls have particularly loved doing um, using their duvet and they put a fan on one side of the duvet and it sort of blows the duvet up into a tent and then they climb into the duvet on top of the duvet inner but the the, the, the cover is ballooned because of the fan um, and inside there they, they read or they have their soft toys and teas and it's just a sensory safe space that because it's blocked off visually and usually it's quieter in that little small space it's just a way of decompressing on a sensory level um, so that they can have some quiet time. And then we've also developed a vocabulary in our home um, to help them to explain when they're feeling out of sync. So we talk about our body as an engine, and this is based on, on an alert program that's quite well known in the state. Um, and, you know, any, any parent can go and look it up. It's called the alert program. But basically it just calls your body as like an engine and sometimes it runs very fast and sometimes it runs very slow and sometimes it, it runs just right. And so there might be something that the kids are doing that's really bugging my sensory engine. I, I don't have to tell them that they're annoying or they're irritating me. I just say, what you're doing now is harming my engine. Can you do it this way or can you go and do it that way? So just externalizing that blame and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't like you, <laughs> you are not the problem, it's just what you're doing is not good for my sensory engine. 
um, so that they have a kind of way of communicating when they're not feeling in sync, as it were. Wow, those ideas are exceptional. There are so many exciting ideas to create play and movement and deep pressure in the home. And I love the idea of creating sensory safe spaces as well as your body as an engine. I think I'm definitely going to steal those for therapy and I think they are incredible. I think those are really going to be impactful for families at home. There's some really special and different ideas there. Lord, what piece of take-home advice would you want to leave parents with to survive the lockdown? I think that um, for me, the magic sensory wand is um, is definitely proprioception, so that deep pressure sense, because that is what we call a universal regulator or a universal modulator. So for your, it works for both kinds of sensory um, temperaments. For your sensory seeker, who's who's very needing a lot of sensory input before their sensory system is feeling satiated, then that proprioception can bring their sensory engine down into more of a just right space. And, and, and on the other hand, for the child who is sensory sensitive, who only needs a small amount of input um, in order to feel just right, that deep pressure um, helps to regulate them and helps to bring them back from being feeling sensory overloaded into a just right space. And so that's why it's called our universal regulator. So when in doubt and you don't know, you're not sure what to do or what sensory smart strategy to apply, then I would say think of proprioception. And proprioception really is our body position sense. It tells us where our body is in space but it's any deep pressure. So we have receptors deep in our muscle belly. So any squishing action. So um, you can literally just squeeze a child's arms. So if they're coming to talk to you, take them by the hands and just pull and push on the arms while they're talking to you. So using every little opportunity right throughout your day to give your little one sensory snacks, as it were, of this deep pressure sense. So any active resisted movement, any push-pull action, any deep pressure action is going to be a lovely snack of proprioception, which is going to help their sensory engine stay just right. And so we can, like I said, the jumping on the bed, on the trampoline, um, we've, we've used blanket runs. So we've got, we're lucky enough to have a little bit of a passageway. I think a lot of um, apartments even have a passageway um, where we can put, kids onto a large blanket or a large towel and then pull them along so that them and then we take turns so that they're also doing some of the pulling so maybe mom or dad gets into the blanket and 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 they get given a, a blanket run so blanket run is one of my favorites um for doing some some heavy heavy work um we found that our laundry basket has a lot of affordance for play and for proprioception so again climbing into the laundry basket and having someone push you along so that pushing action so the person who's in the laundry basket is getting some movement input but the person who's actually doing the pushing is also getting some deep pressure input which is quite nice um and so our laundry basket has become part of our obstacle courses that we've designed so sometimes for pe we each get a turn to do our own PE class and um, it might look like um, an obstacle course in, in the house and everybody has to then do that. Um, we've also used chalk and masking tape a lot. So chalk works really well outside on the pavers or on the barber creeks to um, yeah, create 
little activity pathways. So with lines or footprints where you have to jump over certain things or crab walk along something or um, just a sensory activity pathway around the house gives it a little bit of um, opportunity. And the same goes with masking tape. If you're stuck indoors, you can then masking tape your activity pathways. So little zigzag pathways or um, lines that can act as hurdles. You just chalk down your what your idea is. And really, I mean, as parents, we don't have to do much. We just have to sort of initiate it. Um, and generally, children are very creative. They'll come up with things that you wouldn't even have thought of, and that's part of the fun. Um, and then there's also a lot of things that we can do to ourselves. So we can teach children just to push down on their heads, when their engine is feeling yucky and just giving themselves some deep pressure through the head, they can push against their hands like that and put in counts. Um, they can do wall presses against the wall. So doing like almost like a press up against the wall that gives nice deep pressure. Um, or even when they're sitting, they can just push themselves up on their hands. So that can be a quick snack um, right throughout the school day, perhaps. Um, I know that the mouth is also a very strong sensory regulator so looking at things that are in their sensory diet or looking at food um, as not only a nutritious source of, of um, or a source of nutrition but also a source of that deep pressure so things like popcorn um, you know go the old-fashioned route and go and buy the old kernels and um, make some popcorn every now and again that's a lovely crunchy sensory snack um, just being aware that we can't give popcorn to very young children because they they, they do get pop, what, what's called popcorn lungs. So for the older children, popcorn is a really nice way. Or allowing your children to chew gum if they're not allowed to chew gum. Any kind of um, hard work. So making sure that you've got a go snack um, period in your homeschooling morning where they can crunch on carrots or cucumber or apple, something that's really nice and crunchy. Um, looking at their water bottle and making sure that the water bottle is a nice small um, spout that they need to suck quite hard um, on to get the water out. So all of those things are, so I think my take home message is the magic wand of proprioception and just being um, able to use that right throughout your day. Thank you so much, Lorge. Thank you so much for out, not only outlining the different aspects of the sensory struggles for children so clearly, but for making it so accessible for parents. The, the ideas that you've given are so easy for parents in that it's easy for them to initiate these deep pressure supports, this proprioception for their little engines and really help their kids get through this, this really difficult time. It's a lot more demanding than, than we actually realize on their little bodies. Yes, for sure. No, we need to be able to implement things that are easy at the moment because, I mean, I as a parent am certainly feeling very stressed about work and finances and um, my children's schooling and there's a lot on us as parents. I think we've also just got to be kind to ourselves and, and uh, try and have fun in this gift of time that we, we have with our families. Sure, I think that's so true. It's, it's really important for parents to be to be kind, especially with so much going on right now. George, thank you for your practical and creative strategies and yeah, for just explaining them in such a fun way. That's definitely going to be really helpful for, for parents and families to do at home. And for anyone that's wanting to contact Lodge, you can have a look at her website, www.jumpleapfly.com 
www.co.za, we have personal experience with them and they are really brilliant. So I would encourage our listeners to really go have a look at their website. Thank you, Lord, yes. so much for being with us today. That's a pleasure. And we have also made our book into an ebook in this time so that it's more accessible for parents. So if you've got little ones from the age of naught to three, then that ebook is jam packed with a lot of um, activities and ideas and all the activities and ideas in our book are really aimed at using what you have around the house. So it shouldn't be anything you can't apply during this time. Wonderful. That's very encouraging. Thank you. So that's it for us. We will see you next time on How to Mental Health Lockdown Edition. Stay sane, everybody. We'll check in later. See you soon.